seated. Children, if you'd like to go to Children's Church, you can uh, leave now to go for that, back in the children's classrooms. Some confusion about where the exit, there we go, okay. Good morning, everybody. I'm sure glad to be here this morning. I got to explain to you a little bit why I'm, why I'm here. Um, today was supposed to be uh, Pastor Marcello's Sunday to preach, and next Sunday was going to be my Sunday to preach. But I got a call from Marcelo on Friday night and said he was, he was sick. And so, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm really sorry to hear that. But he's feeling better. Uh, I talked to him yesterday. He's feeling a little bit better. And so if it appears to you that I spent, what do they, what do they call that, a cram session on this? Like a lot of hours yesterday? Well, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. And I'll tell you another thing. I never know how long it's going to take for one of my messages. So I feel pretty sure that you won't be the last ones to the restaurant if you're going there today. But if it's, if it's a, a short message, please forgive me. I don't think it will be, but if it is, please forgive me. Um, if you'll see on the screen there behind me, um, the title of this, less, of this message is How Heavy Is Your Yoke? How heavy is your yoke? And I started to say lesson because most of you know that my calling is to teach. My calling is as a teacher. I, um, for like the last 24 years, I've uh, led Bible studies and started out leading children's uh, Sunday school classes. And uh, it's really been the area that I love to do. And so if it seems like uh, when I bring this message, it's more of what you would see in a Sunday school class or a Bible study, that's because it is. That's what I do. And uh, I, th I think that uh, it works best, and I've been saying this since uh, Pastor Ryan left, it works best when all the members of the church do what they do best. And the best way to go about it is to let the members of the church do whatever they need to do and what they are called to do for the good of the ministry. And uh, that's, so that's where we are today. If so you, you see with me at this, uh, at taking Marcelo's place, you might call me the sub. You might call me the pinch hitter. I don't know what sports term you would like to use. I kind of asked Jeff while I go, and he was no help at all. I asked him, I, I guess I'm the guy coming off the bench in the fourth quarter, you know, but, but however it is, you can't go wrong when you bring a message from God's Word. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you and give you all the praise this morning for uh, this beautiful hot day. This, uh, my brother Jabe mentioned a while ago, thank you for uh, the things you do, the things you give us, uh, the gifts that you give that we take for granted a lot of the times. And thank you especially for a time that we could come apart from the world and, and be in this place gathered with our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and uh, open your word and... Seek its message, seek its truth, seek its guidance. Uh, we offer this next time to you, whatever time we have together here. Uh, and lay that time at your feet, as the song said we just sang. Pray that uh, you would help us to handle your word well and that you would help us to take um, some message from this word today as we leave. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, you'll remember, uh, you can turn in your, you can open your own Bible, your own copy of the Word if you'd like to, um, or your device or whatever it is, or it'll be on the screen 
uh, behind me, I think, in a moment. It's uh, to, the, to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 20 through 20, 22 through 30. Um, and I'll remind you that uh, when I bring a message or when I teach, my goal is always, always practical application of the word. Practical application. You know, if you know what that means, it means that what can I take from this word that was written so long ago? What can I take of that and apply to my life? Apply to the circumstances we're in right now and uh, glean that truth for today. And that's, and that's what my goal always is. So I'll tell you that ahead of time. Um, I'll be using the NIV today. It's the old NIV um, there is a revised NIV. I don't use that, but it's, it's the one. I'm too cheap to buy a new Bible. I've got all my notes written in this one that's about 30 years old, and I will not give it up. So that's why I haven't ever changed to a different translation, and there's nothing wrong with the NIV. So uh, let me set a little bit of... Uh, we're going to be in, cha- in uh, chapter 11, verse 20, as I said. But let me tell you a little bit about what's going on here so you get an idea, a little background as to why Jesus is doing what he's doing here. And I love it when we preach, when we, when we study, when we hear the word preached, and it's the words that Jesus said. I think that's so cool. We can use that as our lesson. And what's going on here, you may already know, you may have read back a couple, or you may just have the book of Matthew memorized, I don't know. But at this time, John the Baptist, remember John the Baptist, got wore camel hair coat and ate uh, locust and wild honey, you know, that guy. Um, the one that I've been guilty for saying that John was a weird cookie, kind of. If you looked at John in today's society, John was not the same as everybody else. And I take such a great, such a great... Uh, uh, confidence from John the fact that it doesn't matter how weird we are you can be used in God's service that's a good thing if you don't believe it look around you if you don't believe it just look around you that is so cool that you can that uh, that God gives us those examples but John's in prison Uh, if you look back in chapter uh, the first part of chapter 11 and he calls his disciples to him one day and he asks those disciples go to Jesus and ask him this question or these questions are you the one we've been waiting for? Or should we be looking for somebody else to come? Are you him? And I find that ironic a little bit because if you think back, what, what happened at the Jordan River? If you think back a few chapters before, uh, John was at the river baptizing people and he made the statement that he baptizes with water. But one is coming who baptizes will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. One whose sandals he is not even worthy to carry. You know, John knew. John was looking for the Messiah. And when it's the interesting thing here, when we think about him sending his disciples to ask that question of Jesus, is that when John saw Jesus and Jesus came down, John told Jesus, you should be baptizing me. I've always found it interesting that John would send his disciples to ask a question like this when it seems that he recognized and knew who Jesus was and their kinfolks. Remember that? 
They're kin, what we call kin. They're blood. Their mothers were cousins. So it seems to me like they would have known something about each other. So uh, that's where we are as we start looking in this passage. Um, if you'll follow along with me, I've got a multitude of papers here, so if I drop some of them on the floor, please forgive me. Um, begin with me, and we'll read a few verses beginning in verse 20 of chapter 11. Then Jesus began... Oh, I'm sorry, I missed I miss part of this. Um, Jesus also notices this question is kind of off too. Because in verse, in verse uh, 16, he says, Why is this generation always looking for a sign? This generation is always looking for a sign. And that leads into what he's about to say. So I, it's important that we know that the, this generation always looking for a sign. You're like, he, he called them like little children. The things you've seen. In fact, he tells John's disciples, the things you've seen. Go back, and, go back and tell John that the blind can see, the deaf can hear, leprosy is cured, the lame can walk, the good news of the kingdom is being proclaimed. Tell John that and see if he can figure out who I am. He, that's part, I put that part in there. That's not in the word. Go back and report that to John. And then he says that about this generation is like a bunch of little children who have seen all these miraculous things yet still do not know who I am. And if you think about that a little bit deeper, that could be said of this generation we live in, this world we live in. Because those miracles that Jesus did, we may not see anybody cured of blindness, uh, we not, may not see somebody who was lame walk again. But if you don't believe that he's still doing miracles, I'm going to ask you to look around again within this church body. Look around at some of the people who you've seen come to Christ who are here now worshiping who never would have been in church. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. Look, myself, there was a time that I couldn't even stand to be in the presence of a pastor. I couldn't stand to ride in the car with a pastor because he'd always want to talk about this Jesus guy. But the miracle, Jesus is still in the miracle business, but this world still fails to see it. So let's pick up our, let's pick up our text right there. Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. They saw the miracles, did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will, be, you, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Those are some harsh, harsh words. You may not remember off the top of your head about Tyre and Sidon. You may not remember about Capernaum. You may not know everything about 
uh, Bethsaida. But I'll bet you, you remember a couple of cities called Sodom and Gomorrah, don't you? I bet those come to your mind because you know what happened. God's judgment destroyed them completely. And yet Jesus is saying here that because you've seen these miracles, because you are, have such a great example of who I am, because such, un, such proof of who I am, yet don't recognize me, it would have been better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it's going to be for you. Wake up. That's what he's telling me. That's what he's, he leads off with that, some real harsh words. Um, the dying world we're in today doesn't recognize who he is. The dying world we're in today doesn't recognize, doesn't see the things that happen within our midst. I can look across the, the faces in this church family and see miracles that took place in people's lives. And you can see the same thing. And those in this small community of ours who have known you for years, some of you, who's the hardest, who, are, who are the hardest people to convince that you've changed? I know you can't answer, but I'm still going to ask the question. Who do you find the hardest people you know to convince when you've changed, when you, when you accept Jesus Christ and you've been one way all your life, you've been going down that path that is anything but the right path? Maybe you never got on that path, and that's a great thing if you weren't. But the people you, who find it hardest to accept the miracle that you've changed are your friends and family. You ever notice that? It's hard to get your friends and family to believe that you've changed. Those little miracles that happen are hard to accept. They're hard to accept within your own family. They're hard to, for the world to accept, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. You see me, but you don't know me. That's what he's telling these people. You see what I've done, but still you don't know me. Still you want another sign, another sign. Have you, do you ever ask for a sign? Do you ever pray, Lord, I need to make this decision? I got a decision that's tough. I need to make it. And you pray and you pray. Do you get a sign? Do you, do you get an answer? Do you get a sign every time? I don't. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to raise my hand. I don't. If I waited for a sign every time before I made a move, you know where I'd be? I'd be sitting still. I'd never make a move. Because, because I would be paralyzed waiting for that to come. Jesus Christ, I, I'll tell you something to use, and I'm getting way off, but that's okay. We have time. Jesus Christ has given you a mind and a choice. And if you think about this, when you pray for his will to be shown to you, for a sign to be shown to you, here's something you need to remember. The thing that Jesus wants you to experience in this life is joy. He wants you to live the triumphant life. He wants you to have joy. Sometimes you can sit and pray for months for a sign for something, for show me your will for something, when the whole time he's been saying, What's going to bring you joy? There's two decisions here. Neither one of them are going to hurt you. Make a choice. Make a choice. I, give, I gave you freedom of choice. I gave you a mind to use. I gave you the word to weigh up your decisions with. Make a choice. Either one will be okay. Um, 
I used to think I should not share that thought with, with anybody because I wasn't sure that I was exactly on biblically, but I ran it past the guy y'all remember named Ryan Buck not long ago. And after he, uh, you know how he does, he, after he batted me around a little bit about it, we did, I did come, we did come to a consensus that added, that is true. The Lord wants you to have joy. Weigh things up with that. He wants you to have joy and live, live the triumphant life. Don't paralyze yourself waiting on a sign. Move. Get going. Um, let's go back to the text. I don't like to read completely through it and then come back and sharpshoot it. I just like to talk about it as we go because I have trouble remembering things. I don't know about you, so I, I may miss something if I do that. Look at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. This was your good pleasure. Um, If you think about who Jesus was speaking to all the time, who was in the audience all the time, um, I'm not going to go into this too deep, but he always had people who were not in his corner in the audience. He he, he was always before people. You think about the Pharisees, the priests, the Sadducees, the Roman guard. There are always people there who for lack of a better word, I guess you'd say, um, were the smartest people, were the smartest, worldly smartest people. And they never got it. But God revealed himself to the people who came to him like little children, who came to him with a childlike faith. He chose to reveal himself to, to the little children, to people who came as little children. Um, this was his good pleasure. And, look, and it proves out, too, because look who came to him. Look at the disciples. Who were, who were they made up of? Common guys, fishermen, outcasts, tax collector. You know, there was, Luke was in there. He was a learned man. For the most part, these guys were, were little children, were common, ordinary, non-educated men. And that gives me hope. That gives me hope. Um, every time I think about that. Um, Let's read verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my Father. We're going to sit on this one a while. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You know, as a baby Christian, as a baby believer, um, I used to wonder, how does Jesus choose? He says the ones who he chooses for my, uh, those whom the Son chooses to reveal the Father. I, wonder, I used to wonder, how does he choose who to reveal the Father to? How does he choose that? You ever think about that? There's other things in the word, other places where it talks about those he predestined. And I would have a trouble balancing those things and wondering, boy, how lucky I must be if he chose me to reveal the Father to. If he chose, if he chose Clyde Martin to reveal the Father to. If he cl- chose Dennis Connor. How lucky we must be. Look at all the people who got so lucky. 
But that was just a misunderstanding, on my part, that was a misunderstanding, but it's one that's pretty common, especially when people start weighing up that predestined stuff and who he chooses. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, Keith Simpson preached. Many of you were here. And do you remember what he preached about? I'll give you a hint. It was in Revelation. He preached about the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And the answer to this question, how Jesus figures out who, who Jesus chooses to show the Father, can be found in part of Keith's uh, sermon from that day. In Revelation 3.20, when the letter to the church at Laodicea is read, it says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. The way Jesus chooses who he's going to show the Father to is in our hands. Always has been. Always will be. The one who reaches down, I'm sure they didn't have doorknobs in the time Jesus taught, but when, they, when the guy reaches down, when the one he's knocking on the door reaches down and opens that door, he doesn't have to step through it. I mean, the, 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 the non-believer doesn't have to step through it. He just has to open it. And Jesus will come in. That choosing is over with right there. Jesus will come in and show that believer who opened that door the Father. There's, there's no choosing about it. That's, that is how it works. You, we are directly responsible for when that happens. There's no part in there where it says, uh, when he says, I will come in with him. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and, have, and eat with him. It doesn't say, whoever hears my voice and opens the door, and if he's one on this list that I choose to show the Father. None of that said. It doesn't ever say in there, uh, if this happens to be the, a, a guy that I'm thinking ought to be chosen to see the Father. It says emphatically, whoever hears my voice and opens that door, I'll come in. I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. Um, so I, that's how I finally weighed that verse up. And if I'm getting a little bit off track here, I'm sorry. But uh, it's exciting to me when I see things that I question and then I see the word prove it. The word always proves itself. Uh, it's a dangerous thing when you pick one verse out and, and hang your hat on it from the Bible without reading the rest of the Bible because sometimes you can hang your hat on something that throws you Completely off path, off track. If you don't believe it, watch some TV evangelists sometimes. You'll see it. Let's look at the, at the next part of this, this passage, the last part of this passage. This is actually what we're going to focus on today. The last three verses. Verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dave had a picture up here earlier of a yoke. I was going to ask, does everybody know what a Oh, there we go. There we go. I was going to ask you, you know what a yoke is when you talk about it? I used to think it was that yellow thing on an egg when I was a lot younger. That's not, that's a, we pronounce it yoke, but it's actually a different spelling, right? A yoke is what you see in this picture. A yoke is what you see there. 
Um, and they come in different sizes, and that's got a couple of what looks like cows hooked to it. Um, a lot of times, especially in the old and ancient times, it would be hooked to an ox. There'd be two ox, oxen hooked together. And by putting that yoke on them, by hooking them together, they could pull a extremely heavy loads. They could do a lot more than anybody could do on their own, any human could do on their own. Um, the purpose of that yoke is to form a union between those two animals to pull that load. And a lot of times, um, if somebody had a new ox that had not been in the yoke before, they'd take an old one. They'd take an older ox who had pulled lots of loads, who had been hooked up to the yoke, who had experience, I guess you'd say, in being harnessed. And they'd put that young ox with them. And that young ox would learn the ropes by being with the old ox. Would learn to quit kicking against, quit resisting it, to learn to accept the way it was done, to learn that together the load was a lot lighter than by itself. Um, the people who heard Jesus say this about take my yoke, I want to read it again because I don't want to misquote it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The people who heard Jesus say that during this time would have not had to have a picture, would have not have had any explanation. They would have known. You see, there's some, there's three different kinds of yokes, right? The three different sizes of yokes. Um, they would have known immediately what Jesus was talking about. They would have known all those little details, a lot of which, a lot of details that I haven't even shared with you because I don't know all the details. I'm not that well-versed on yokes. But they would have known what Jesus was talking about, both in the literal sense, like this with an ox, and in this particular example, uh, sense that I had forgotten about, but my first wife reminded me of it this morning before I left home. There is, um, in, in the uh, Jewish world, in the Jewish culture of that time, whenever a, boy, a young man was, uh, had, was bar mitzvahed and became a man, he was given then the Jewish law. And that was called the yoke. The entirety of the Jewish law was the yoke, was called the yoke. And if you remember or if you've ever heard about what the Jewish law entails, it's like 600 and some odd things of rules, regulations, and laws to govern the people, to, to tell the people what they could do and what they couldn't do, to tell them how to wash their hands, when to wash their hands, when they had to, when they couldn't, when they could be with people if they were dirty. All different things were there. And if that doesn't represent a yoke, I don't know what does. Yoke to that would be a burden. And that's the thing that these people would have gotten immediately. That yoke of that yoke that was, was put on them by the law. It means so much more when you think of it that way. When Jesus says, put off those laws, put off that stuff. Forget about that stuff. Come to me. Take my yoke. It's easy and my burden is light. It means so much more when you think of it in that sense. Um, oh, wait a minute. I'm forgetting something. I'm sorry. Please indulge me a minute.
Thank you, brother. Let's put it up here. I almost forgot that, and I, I usually do forget it on Sunday. Um, I uh, usually leave it outside. When, I, when, when Sunday comes around, I can usually put it down when I come in here. I can usually either leave it in the car or leave it at the door and forget about it. But today, all this business about talking about a yoke made me remember it. Um, that's a real heavy bag right there. If you didn't notice it, Dusty had to help me carry it because I had figured this morning when I thought about this that if I carried it from the back to the front, I wouldn't be able to talk for about 15 minutes. And I know that would bother Jed because it would... <laughs> so if you, it did show one thing, though. Did you notice how much easier the load was when Dusty helped me? You notice that? I was struggling until Dusty helped me. There's a little lesson in itself. Um, that bag is heavy. That bag, it contains the stuff that used to weigh me down before Jesus washed me clean. That bag, um, Jesus set me free of having to carry it. Set me free from having to carry it, but I... Uh, I still pick it back up. I still pick that thing back up from time to time. I'll have to say it gets less and less often that I pick it up. But that, that bag goes with me. That heaviness goes with me. I always know where that bag is. I may not be carrying it when I see you, but I know where it is. Um, over time... Uh, like I said, over time, you don't carry it. I don't carry it as often. I don't carry it as much. Um, and I can look at your faces right now, and I can see that only some of you know what I'm talking about. So I better explain what I'm talking about. Because each and every one of you has a bag. Each and every one of you has a bag. I don't know. I'm not going to share with you all that's in my bag. But I know you have one. Without a doubt, you have one. You had to come to Jesus Christ and take his yoke upon you to help with that bag. When I set that bag at Jesus' feet and leave it there and take his yoke, he's more than capable of carrying that bag and me and everything else that I can still get into. Even at the age of 64, believe it or not, I can still get into stuff. still happens. Um, but here's what I'm talking about. That bag has oh, probably got a couple of dozen pounds of old habits in it. You can see if anything, any of these things cross over to your bag, the baggage you carry. The baggage I hope you put down when you came in here to worship this morning. But... Sadly, it's hard to put that bag down sometime when you've had to give the kids a spanking come to church and tell them, now behave. Maybe you don't spank your kids. That used to be a common thing with three boys. Our boys could always find something to screw up on the way to church. Always. And so they'd always need a little something. And you get out by saying, now you behave yourself. Put a smile on your face. Okay. That's easy. Um, 
that bag's also got uh, a few pounds of ego in it. Does that hit anybody's nerve? A few pounds of ego. There's some rage in there. There's a, one or two pounds of rage in there that I would sure love to keep in that bag. Um, what else is in there? Jealousy. Wrong motives. Um, what else? Prejudice. Prejudice is in there. I don't need to carry that bag. Whatever, I, if, if some of those things are in your bag, there's something we're going to do about that today. There's something we can do about that today. And it's the practical application of this, of this message I'm bringing this morning. It's got to be done every day. You've got to think about putting that bag down every day. Oh, there's some more things that fit in that bag, too, in some cases. Gossip. Gossip's in that bag. You know, the little thing. There's no, there's no scale for sin, you know. There's not a number one in murder. Number two is whatever. Number three. And shoplifting's way down here to God. It's all sin. It's all sin. And so whatever you've got in your bag, everything that's in there, you may have only one item. You may have never done anything wrong. You may never have a bad attitude. We talk about in the Berean group sometime how, how it gets as you get older, how it seems like you get uh, the ability to uh, not like how things are going. Even That's a pretty diplomatic way to put it. To preach about how things are going and you come dangerously close to saying, well, it's not the way it was when I was younger. And that's not right. It's always been... It's always been about the same. We're just more, in, we're just more, we see it more now. Um, I encourage you to think about this. Think about what's in that bag and think about how often you pick it up. Um, honestly, if it hadn't been for Dusty, I wouldn't have made it up here with that bag. If you're carrying that bag and you can't put it down, find somebody that you can tell what's in that bag. That you can tell them, I need some help with this bag. I don't want to be yoked anymore with this bag. But the ultimate thing is, that bag belongs at Jesus' feet. That bag belongs at the foot of the cross. That bag doesn't belong in your hand. He's freed you from that. Jesus has freed you from that. He's invited you to take his yoke on his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Um, and you may wonder something too. If you're a thinking person, and I know there's a whole room full of thinking people here, you're probably wondering, if it works so well, Eddie, how come you've got that bag with you? How come you keep picking the bag up? If you can leave that bag at Jesus' feet, why is it with you this morning? Well, the simple reason is the same reason we talked about a minute ago with these people Jesus spoke to. Because I'm human. You carry your bag every so often because you're human. Happens. It's going to happen as long as we are in this sick, this sinful, dying world. We are still going to continue to be human. And whenever those fiery darts come or the enemy whispers in your ear, you're no, you're, you're no better than you ever were. Pick that bag up. Pick that bag up. And your humanness, let me tell you, friends, you will grab that bag. You will grab that bag. You've got to make that conscious effort every day to say, I'm not picking that bag up today. I'm leaving that bag at home. 
I'm leaving it hidden somewhere. Or maybe I won't even remember where it is. I told you a while ago that um, that yoke had a couple of meanings. Um, that's not one you'll forget, I don't think. That yoke has a couple of meanings. Uh, one is the law, the Jewish law. One is all the rules. Um, the other is to hook two animals together. Um, I want you to think about this verse, too, also. Uh, in Galatians 5, 1, Paul writes this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't let yourself be burdened again by this yoke of slavery, by this ugly, old, heavy baggage. Set it down. Paul was talking about the yoke of the Jewish law. There were people in the, in the Galatian church who were uh, drifting back toward legalism, and Paul was warning them against that. That's the slavery he was talking about. But this is a slavery too. Don't let yourself be enslaved by what you're carrying or what's in that bag. Put it down. Put it down at Jesus' feet and don't pick it up again. Um, today, there's going to be a hymn of invitation in a minute. And I invite you, if you have never put that bag down, if you're carrying that bag and you've never let Jesus open, you've never opened that door and let Jesus in while he's knocking on the door of your heart, come forward, set that bag down at the, at the base of this cross, leave it, and ask Jesus to come in today. Don't wait. Don't wait another day. Don't wait until we have a new pastor. Don't wait until you feel a little bit better. Don't wait until there's a bigger crowd. Don't wait. Do it now. There's no better time than right now. If you're looking for a church home, a place that you can drop that baggage if you need to pick it, if you've ever picked it up again, this is a good place to come. This is a, a loving church family who would be happy to have you, happy to have you here, happy to have you with us. Um, if you need to just come up and symbolically set your baggage down and pray on this altar, it's here. Would you please stand and let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the timelessness of your word and for the way that uh, we can look at the words that our Savior spoke so long ago and, and take strength and take refuge and take direction from them. And we just pray, Lord, that if there's one here this morning who needs to open that door, who needs to set that bag down at your feet, pray that they wouldn't hesitate, Lord, that they would come forward at the first couple of notes that are played. Pray for those who are looking for a church home, Lord. Pray that you would bring them here. If, their heart, if in their heart they feel like they're being called to, to join our church fellowship, pray, Lord, that they wouldn't hesitate either. And pray that you would give us right hearts and that we could leave, even us, we who have been here for a while could be conscious of setting that bag down, Lord.